Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome back. It's Sia Vento here, and you're listening to the British Whisperer, the place to be to know which stories are making the headlines and learn the English you need. On the podcast website, thebritishwhisperer.com, you can find a link to the webpage with full transcript of each episode and its translation in Italian. In this ninth episode, I'm going to focus first on King Charles, Rishi Sunak, and COP27. It's a very hot topic. He promised to keep his counsel, yet our monarch has found a way to play a leading role in the UN's bleak climate change conference, while Sunak claimed role as clean energy champion on the eve of COP27. It's unlikely either of them discussed the forthcoming series of The Crown, which is already proving to be the most controversial in the show's history, and of which I will talk more about in this episode. Next, the latest on Meghan and her truth. Will it prevail? And it is about Meghan's British citizenship test. She said the UK citizenship test was so hard she had to ask Prince Harry for help. And don't miss the tampon gate. The crown is to revisit Charles and Camilla tampon gate as a tale of love. Curious? Just stick until the end of the episode to find out. COP27 summit, a charmer's shake in Egypt, which began yesterday, came at a tense time. Amid high geopolitical tensions over the Ukraine war, soaring energy and food prices and a cost-of-the-living crisis around the world. Even the Egyptian hosts have admitted this would be the most difficult set of talks in at least a decade. On top of this, the promises made at the previous conference in Glasgow to keep global warming increases to 1.3 degrees Celsius have not been followed through. Since last year's meeting in Scotland, just 26 of the 193 countries that agreed to step up their climate actions have followed through with more ambitious plans. And as such, the world is on course for 2.8 degrees Celsius of warming without huge and new policies, a temperature that would cause catastrophic climate breakdown. Well, what Britain has to do with this? Rishi Sunak has ailed the king's long-standing and far-sighted leadership on the environment ahead of the COP27 climate change summit. The Prime Minister was at Buckingham Palace last week, where he praised the king's record on climate change. He was among more than 200 leading political and business figures welcomed to Buckingham Palace for a reception ahead of the meeting in Egypt. The king hosted this reception for international leaders as he found a way to support the environment conference despite not attending in person. Let's refresh. Downing Street said it had been unanimously agreed between Sunak and the king that our monarch, who gave a barnstorming speech at COP26 asking for leaders to adopt a warlike footing, and rarely misses an opportunity to plead for this cause closest to his heart, would also not be attending COP27. Buckingham Palace said he was ever mindful of his constitutional duties, as per his promise to the public after his mother died, when he said, it will no longer be possible for me to give so much of my time and energies to the charities and issues for which I care so deeply. Sure, Except 
On Sunday afternoon, the palace announced that the king would hold an official pre-cop reception on Friday. If the king couldn't go to the party, the party could come to the king. This pre-drinks had three named headline guests. John Kerry, the US special presidential envoy for climate, Rishi Sunak, and Alok Sharma, the government's climate czar, who had been removed from cabinet by Sunak itself. Mrs. Sunak is travelling to Sharma's Sheikh on Monday for the opening of the summit, alongside other world readers after U-turn over his attendance. Rishi Sunak attempted an extraordinary vault face on green policy on the eve of the climate summit on Saturday, saying he would attend in order to galvanize world leaders to save the planet. Sunak, who had been criticized for saying he was too busy with domestic commitments to attend, also adopted precisely the same language on renewable energy that Labour leader Sir K. Starmer had been using for months, declaring that he now wanted to turn UK into a clean energy superpower. Sunak's efforts to present himself as a world leader on the environment and a champion of clean energy brought deep scepticism as political leaders, diplomats and NGOs gathered in the Egyptian resort of Sharm el-Sheikh for the latest UN-led attempt to tackle global heating. Writing in Saturday's Observer, Starmer ridiculed Sunak, branding him a fossil fuel prime minister in a renewable age who still wants to ban more onshore wind farms and who has opposed solar projects. The UK will hand over the COP presidency to Egypt at the beginning of the two-week climate summit, after playing host in Glasgow last year. Britain has opened the door to paying climate change reparations to developing countries by supporting talks on the issue at the COP27 summit. World leaders will debate whether countries eat by floods, drought, hurricanes and other events caused by climate change should be given compensation. The issue has formally been confirmed as part of the agenda for the COP27 conference in Egypt, despite resistance from wealthier countries. On Sunday, at the meeting, UK negotiators backed a last-minute agreement to address loss and damage payments to countries badly affected by climate-related disasters. Rishi Sunak will appear at the conference on Monday, where he will pledge £65.5 million of pounds for green technology in developing countries. The Prime Minister will say, by honouring the pledges we made in Glasgow, we can turn our struggle against climate change into a global mission for new jobs and clean growth. And we can bequeath our children a greener planet and a more prosperous future. That's a legacy we could be proud of. Boris Johnson will also deliver a speech warning against the naysayers who threaten net zero targets. However, the king, who before the death of Queen Elizabeth II had been due to attend, will not be there. The king will find a way to support COP27 from afar after the government ruled out his attending in Persian, the Telegraph has learned. The king, a lifelong environmentalist, will find alternative ways to engage with the work of the summit. He hopes to find a way to show his support, potentially through a message or convening discussions via video link or telephone.
No member of the royal family would travel to COP27, including the new Prince of Wales, who has also made saving the planet one of his key campaigning issues, including his health shot prize. The Prince of Wales has warned that turbulent times are no excuse for a lack of action in protecting the natural world. He said local communities and grassroots organizations should be empowered and supported to preserve their natural heritage. We are living through turbulent times and it's all too easy to lose sight of how critical it is that we look after our natural world, he said. We must remain focused on investing in nature and the environment, protecting it for future generations. So, what do you think about the Royal's commitment to nature and climate change? Email me your thoughts or comments in my Instagram page. Sticking to the point, we all know that Prince Harry is getting at by naming his autobiography out on January 10, 2023, Spare. Defined as additional to what is required for ordinary use, the title of the book, ghostwritten by J.R. Moringer, is intended to convey the feelings of a prince who felt superfluous to requirements. Although it was raised by Diana, Princess of Wales, as Prince William's equal, as the so-called spare to the hair, Harry was inevitably pushed down the royal family pecking order following the birth of his nephews and niece. It cannot have come as much of a surprise since it has happened to royal siblings for more than 1,000 years. Yet, since Harry's and Meghan's quest for victim status seemingly knows no bounds, we aren't going to be spared the gory details of how a once hugely successful double act ended up plumbing the depths of all prices so far. Will Meghan's truth be the one that prevails, wonders Anna's Furness, royal editor for The Telegraph. I'm glued to the Duchess of Sussex podcast. I don't mean so much the full episode content, although I think it's a clever concept and I've enjoyed the surprise mega-celeb bookings of Mariah Carey and Paris Hilton especially. But I tune in every week for the fascinating window into Meghan's inner world. In the most recent episode, we learned that Meghan is particular, with high standards for those around her, but that it does not make her difficult. That might be news to some of those who worked with her during her royal life, not least those involved in the bullying claims against her. But regardless of whether it is the truth or the now famous concept of hair truth, it is a fascinating insight into how the Sussexes are framing their past, present and future as they ramp up their efforts in the US. After a slow start during the COVID-19 lockdown, Harry and Meghan's early moves in California at first seemed like a bit of a muddle. There were a few royal-like engagements with a photographer, a hard-to-explain non-profit foundation, a lot of Zoom calls, then reports of Netflix deals and podcasting. Now, they couldn't be busier. There still aren't any Netflix programs, but their at-home-style series is too any minute. The podcast is in full flow. Harry's memoir is coming down the tracks just as soon as everyone agrees what is in it. 
The impression of it is that the Sussexes are no longer surviving but thriving. However true it is behind the scenes, it is a winning and necessary formula for their success. Until now, their brand has been resting on being scorned, outcast members of the royal family who have been badly treated from start to finish. To move forward into America, the needs to change something altogether more inspiring and uplifting. The signs so far are that they are on the right track. The American royals next door, whose love story epitomized the modern fairy tale, is something the readers and viewers of the US can buy into. But it won't be the end. The interruptions to dropping bombs on the royal family is a ceasefire, not a surrender. Netflix and their memoir will resume shelling in what is expected to be the bumbiest ride yet for the firm. When it is over, the royal family will remain and the Sussexes will need to rebuild. The current mission to build the Fermier PR Foundation is a good start. The question is, have they done enough for their truth to be the one that prevails? Time will tell. Sticking to the topic again, Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex, has revealed that she founded a UK citizenship test so hard that even Prince Harry was stumped by some of the questions. Meghan is understood to have started studying for the life in the UK test after getting engaged in November 2017. Buckingham Palace said at the time that she intended to become a British citizen. The 45-minute test, which consists of 24 multiple-choice questions about British life, is one of the requirements. However, the Duchess said that some of the material, which covers history, people, customs, laws and political system, was so difficult that she had to seek advice. She referred to the experience in the latest episode of her Archetypes podcast, in which she touched to actress and director Pamela Adlon, who recently became a British citizen. Oh, that citizen exam is so hard, she said. I was studying for it and I remember going, oh my goodness. I would ask my husband, did you know this? And people went, oh, oh, I have no idea. Palace aides made clear in 2017 that the Duchess would move through the process, which takes several years, like anyone else and would not jump the queue. Under strict old office rules, she would have been eligible to apply for indefinite leave to remain after three years. However, in order to do so, she would have had to limit the number of days she spent abroad during that time to less than 270. Something I'm afraid she failed to do. Going back to the citizenship test, the Duchess of Sussex said she found it very hard. Can you do better? Some probable questions of Meghan's UK citizenship quits are available on the Telegraph. Try them out. The link is in the podcast script and in my stories. Last, but certainly not least, The Crown, the fifth series, which will stream on Netflix from November 9, will detail the breakdown of Prince Charles and Diana's marriage in intimate detail. 
as the crown continues to attract a frenzy of criticism for its depiction of the royal family, Peter Morgan, the show's writer, has promised the next series will not be unkind to King Charles, simply covering a difficult time for the royal family with some painful memories. The sixth and final season, which has not yet finished filming, will end on a positive note for the monarchy, sources have indicated, with the marriage of the new king and queen consort. But let's talk about the tampon gate. The Times of London writes the crown for must-watch scenes, including tampon gate. The Crown, indeed, is to broadcast the scenes of the infamous intimate phone call between the Prince of Wales and Camilla Parker Bowles, recasting it sympathetically as two young people in love, the Telegraph understands. The 1989 infamous Act phone call scandal will be covered in depth, but sources have described the idea as crass and in bad taste. Back in 1989, when the then Prince of Wales and Camilla enjoyed intimate phone calls while both married to other people, it was hard to imagine a world in which the couple would be king and queen. Even harder to imagine was a world in which their infamous six-minute call, intercepted by a radio ham and sold to the mirror, would be replayed word for humiliating word in a widely popular multiple award-winning television drama. Dominic West, the actor who plays Prince Charles, Receiving the most excruciating phone sex chat in the history of phone sex chat is such cringeworthy that early reviews report efforts to climb under sofas in embarrassment. The conversation, which became known in the tabloid as Tampon Gate, has been filmed for the new series of Netflix drama and will be broadcasted in length. While its content may appear embarrassing, it is understood that the scene was intended to show the genuine affections between the now king and queen consort and elicit sympathy at the intrusion into their private lives. The six-minute telephone call was recorded in 1989, taped by an amateur radio enthusiast who had allegedly stumbled across their conversation while flicking through audio channels. It was sold and later published by the people in 1993 after Prince Charles and Diana separated. The tabloid printed the transcript and made the audio available for the public to listen in one of the most scandalous episodes to eat the modern royal family. So, are you curious? Are you going to watch the new series of The Crown? Let me know your comments on Instagram or by sending in an email at thebritishwhisper at writeme.com. Finally, kudos to Miss Katy Perry, who issued a plea for the survival of the print newspaper. The 30-year-old American performer has said one of her favorite sounds is a crisp new newspaper being read over breakfast. That's good, isn't it? Because if you don't know, lovely listeners, sales of newspapers have dropped dramatically over the past 10 years, with millions of readers turning into digital subscription and others relying on free news website. The decline has been even more dramatic in the regional media, with many local titles having gone entirely online or stopped publishing. Katy Perry, whose choice of newspaper is unknown, told her 109 million followers on Twitter, 
One of my favorite sounds ever is the sound of a crisp new newspaper being read over breakfast for an hour or so. The popping out of it, the folding, the scribbling on the crossword. I hope it never goes out of fashion in our digital world. It is too romantic. Do you agree with Kitty Perry? I do. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can find the script on the podcast webpage and it's translation in Italian. And if you enjoy my show, please sit, subscribe on Spotify or Apple so you don't miss any episode. And please, if you would like to help support, subscribe and leave a rating and a review. And if you can, also a little donation. To stay up to date with The British Whisper, you can follow me on Instagram and spread the word. You are welcome to share any feedback, thoughts or ideas writing an email to thebritishwhisper at writeme.com. And I hope you can take some valuable information and apply it into the new English learning. And be sure to come back next week for a new episode. Until then, I'm Thea and this is The British Whisper.